Hello, and welcome to day 42 of A Year of War and Peace. I'm Brett. And I'm Logan. And today we are discussing Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 17. The big 1-7. 1-7. The meaning of life, the universe, and everything. That's a little obscure reference for some of the nerds in the audience. <laughs> Something you've probably never heard of before. Chapter 17. The battle begins. The battle of Schoengraben has the begun. The battle begins. The cannons are firing. The French cannons are firing. Andre looks out and all of the French blue great-coated Frenchmen All have, the French are dead. Have, <laughs> no, opposite actually. They, they've begun to advance through the village of Schoengraben. Over the over the uh, open ground on all sides, the French troops are beginning to advance towards the Russian positions. Musket fire begins ringing out down where the, spy, the, the sides are already closer to each other. The girls are fighting. The girls are fighting. Andre rushes to see Bagration, and he's excited. It started. This is it, says Andre. Yeah. He says, but where do I look? How do I find my Toulon? Uh, Toulon was where Napoleon I made was his say, name. What is that? Toulon is the is a siege that Napoleon lifted, which is where he got his first promotion to brigadier general. Oh, and is where that he, is um, that um in the Napoleon the movie? It is. It's where the first his it's horse the, gets blasted. Yes, it is the first major battle in the crap. Napoleon movie. It's yes. where Napoleon's name was put on the map. So Andre is how does how do I have a little Napoleon moment here? Um. I don't know, Andre. Maybe it's not all about you, Andre. Maybe, maybe it's maybe, maybe it's the not Napoleon moments for the friends we made along the way, maybe. Andre. But he, uh, yeah, I really liked when he goes, "God, I'm scared, but it's marvelous." Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good quote. I think that that also kind of even him and Nikolai, I feel like, are both having that feeling of God. I'm just I'm I'm literally shitting bricks here, mm-hmm. but it is it is something. Yeah. It is a sight to behold. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, for sure, dude. For sure, dude. <laughs> and uh Andre runs to Bagration, reports, and Bagration seems uh quite quite calm. There's a touch of the it's here, this is it visible on his face it says, but otherwise he's quite composed. Um his his face is a uh, his impassive face and Andre's wondering whether he is thinking or feeling anything at that moment. No. Uh, at all. No. He's a, he's a chill guy. He's zoned, he's zonked. He's zoned. He's just like me. He's zoned. <laughs> uh we find that Zerkov is his personal aide. Crazy. <laughs> how do you, I mean I can actually actually know probably how Zerkov got sent there. But another one of like the heads, like the big the big characters. Crazy how they're, they're all, all here at this battle. Four thousand out of one in ten chance for each of them. This is like when you walk into a college class where you thought you were gonna know nobody, mm. and then all of a sudden, like everyone you know starts walking in. Yeah, and it's like whoa. And then the professor starts shooting cannonballs at you. <sighs> I hate when that happens. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they start heading out for the artillery position, the hill where they can overlook and see the whole battle. And among the the entourage with Bagration is an auditor who has just come along. <laughs> Which is just crazy. Who has just come along to see what's going on. A civil servant who has permission to watch the action. It's doing like a little police ride along here. <laughs> he's got his glasses and his pens. <laughs> And he's and he's wait watching. Till, wait till Suzanne hears about this. <laughs> he has his pack. He has his, his lunch pail. <laughs> he's got his lunch pail. He's, his little hat. There's like a little guy doing sketches next to him. <laughs> he's standing there and he's looking over it. And a cannonball whizzes by and knocks his hat off his head. He is and doing- he reaches up and his bald head is exposed. And he reaches up and pats down his uh, comb over yeah, again. Yeah, it like flies back. He goes, <laughs> oh, gee, Willikers. Hey, golly. You guys are taking this so seriously, aren't you? This is like a real war. (laughs) 
Hey, Zerkov, referring to the auditor, says he wants to see some action, but his tummy's playing up already. <laughs> He's so mean. <laughs> like, that's crazy. I love that they use the word tummy in this. That's enough of that, beamed the auditor with a simple but knowing smile, as if he felt quite flattered to be ridiculed by Zerkov. <laughs> He's kind of into it. <laughs> he likes to be demeaned. A cannon, as the, so they ride up to the um, the French position, and a, a cannonball lands nearby. The auditor asks, "What was that?" And Zerkov reply, replies, "A French pancake." Oh, this guy's got jokes. I wrote that down in my notes too. He's the clown, baby. The French, the French pan. <laughs> Call that a French pancake. I wonder what Zerkov's type five is. Oh, he's got he's got a few. He's got a lot of material for sure. Um, so that's what they fight with. Observed the auditor. That's awful. What do you think was happening? What do you think they did? I feel like the auditor is meant to be like the reader's point of view <laughs> in which like the reader just explains exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's sort of a, he's an, he's an interesting inclusion. And then a, uh, a Cossack who's following gets nailed by a cannonball Woof. and killed. Like that is, what a horrible and brutal way to go. Yeah. Like a cannonball, like that is just animalistic. I mean, it's... Low key. High key, it's actually. In, it's industrial is what it, it is. It is certainly industrial. It is certainly industrial. Depends on where it hits you. I mean, it's an, it's an ugly way to go, no doubt, but it could be either quick or or very, very slow. And then, uh, so they, they reach the top of the hill with the artillery batteries. Bagration asks around who's in charge, and uh, Tushin runs up and is like, It's me. It's me. Hello. <laughs> and they give some orders, and Bagration starts taking over and, and issuing commands. And they're being attacked on all the fronts. Um, they're getting, I believe, uh, they're pushed back on the left. They're being outflanked on the right. Infantry and dragoons are retreating and falling back. It's going bad for them. On all fronts is the gist of what's going on. Uh, The battle is not going well in any way whatsoever, but Bagration is keeping his cool. Yeah, he's... There's the paragraph at the very end of the chapter remarks that um, uh, the tact shown by Prince Bagration, which he's a prince, apparently. Everyone's a prince. The tact shown by Prince Bagration meant his presence was of enormous value. Commanding officers who rode up to Bagration looked desperately worried, quickly regained some of their composure. Soldiers and officers hailed him with good cheer. They found his presence reinvigorating, and he put a swagger and new courage into their steps. Yeah. Even though he doesn't seem to actually have any control yeah, he doesn't over know anything what he is, that's happening. And he just like plays it off as like, oh, of course that was part of my plan. Right, yeah. It's a really interesting look into, um, at, this is the, also the beginning of ideas that will be a very, very big part of this book as we, as we get into like the, especially the back half of it. But Tolstoy's perspective of, of what like a commander's role in battle was or how much control anyone can ex- exert over a battle like this, like how much control any one man can exert, uh, exert over chaos like this well not um, much situation right because his 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 literal mission that he is sent here to do is basically just like stall like the the one thing that bagration is meant to do is just keep people like make let his troops and his regiments believe for long enough that like everything is going to plan so they don't freak out and try and run away yeah exactly and it it it, Andre even remarks that um, he's watching the exchanges between Bergration and all of the commanding officers who are running up with reports and running back and everything. And he remarks that he was astounded to observe that no orders were really given. 
Prince Bergration was just trying to pretend that everything they were being forced to do, every accidental development or anything brought about by individual commanders, was happening, if not according to his orders, then at least as part of his plan. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of just putting on this front of control when really there's just chaos whirling around him. There's nothing you can do. Like, right, you can prepare based on what you can see from your tiny vantage point, like based on how they've laid out their ranks. Mm Mm-hmm. But you, you can't you can't control someone else's actions unless you have intel that says like oh this is what they're gonna do and you're sh- oh, pretty sure that that intel is like good and you're pretty sure that they don't know that that you have it and they're not gonna change it like there there's there's not much you can do yeah well, and even the orders he tries to give like I think he he gives some order to the dragoons to go and support somewhere. And then half an hour later, the guy he go- gave the order to informs him that the uh, dragoons have already retreated in the face of overwhelming force to uh, overwhelming fire to avoid losses and had been dismounted. So the dragoons, you know, even the orders he attempts to give are just mm, kind of null and void. Like they, yeah, it's like the, it develops too quickly and there's too much going well, I think, on. I think also like he's set up to lose. I mean, yes, I mean, that's the whole point. Yes, that- but even within his defeat, he has yeah. he has no control over yeah. individual movement of troops no. or anything, really anything at all that's happening. Yeah. Once the battle actually engages, it's he's just kind of putting on his job is to put on the front of order so that yeah. the officers so that and the men feel, believe well, that they're part of some kind like, of grander if, plan. If there is, if you feel like there is no purpose or like there is no order then that is when things exactly yeah. go south. Yeah. Like the moment he's like, oh fuck, like I didn't expect that to happen. Then someone's like, oh my God, like he didn't expect that to happen. What what, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. What, what happens now that he didn't expect that to happen? Does that mean like the whole plan is off? And then people start to doubt the plan. Yeah. But if there is no plan and you just act that like everything that is happening is part of the is plan, part of the plan <laughs> then you avoid that completely. Right. It's a really interesting look into our perspective on the place of a commander in mm-hmm. battle especially especially placed against uh, and this is a unique battle obviously because the creation has no chance of victory really it is really just a delaying action but i think it's interesting and and i'm i'm partly grabbing from ideas that are later in the book as well here but um placed against the common perception of, or and and certainly the historical perception of, like brilliant commanders, you know, doing these precise maneuvers and and all of these exact things on the field to to win a victory or do this or control the battle exactly the way they want it. And then here's the perspective of, well, really, he has no control. Mm-hmm. He's it's he's just putting on the front of mm-hmm. of control. The battle is its own beast. Yeah, and his rank and his position and his intelligence. He he really can't exert any sort of well, real control like, over like what's even happening. His rank and intelligence it serves him in being able to be like a almost a figurehead. Like he is a figurehead more than he is yeah, like yeah, a strategian yeah, yeah. or anything else because he can't he can't be. There's no yeah purpose for that outside of his ability to plan for the battle as much as he can. But like once it actually starts, like that responsibility steps away. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so the battle begins. Men engage on all sides. The Russians are pretty much getting whooped at every at every point along the front. But Bagration and his his strong attitude reinvigorates the officers who are who are coming to him for aid. He perseveres. Do you have anything else for this chapter? Um, no, I think we hit all of the points that I had written down. I think we're we're just 
we've begun as like this uh, campaign has really gotten underway to get into the very beginning of the ideas that will really, really start to develop, especially in the back half of the book, into the kind of the the core theses that Tolstoy is going to put forward about history and the nature of history and a man's place in history. Who lives, who dies, and tells your story. Yeah. Rankings. Your turn. My turn. Who do we have here? We got Bergration. No way. We got the Auditor. Oh. We got Tushin. <laughs> oh. <No. laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be crazy. And we got Zerkov. Oh, <laughs> this one is immediate yet grim. Of our of our four, Bagration, Zerkov, the Auditor, and Tushin. Who do you think is the least likely to survive this battle? I have to pick one. I just oh, pick or one. sorry, rank rank most to least likely to survive this battle. Okay, most likely is Andre. Andre wasn't on the list, but okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Andre's on top. How about the other four that I was asking you? Okay, I'm gonna go Bagration. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think then Tushin, then the auditor, and then Zerkov. Zerkov at the bottom. Yes. Why Zerkov at the bottom? Because I think he's just gonna do something stupid. Oh. I feel like he's just gonna do something stupid. I can't believe you ranked him below the auditor. The auditor is, like, leaving. Isn't he, like, leaving right now? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't he... I feel like... I read this chapter, I was like, oh, the auditor's heading out. Like, after <laughs> after the cannonball thing. Maybe. I don't know. You don't think Andre's gonna do something stupid and get himself killed? No, because he has to be in the rest of the book. Okay. <laughs> That's what the people who watched Psycho thought about the female lead, too. Maybe Tolstoy's being a little... Uh, experimental here. Yeah, Andre's ghost is actually the Andre you hear in the rest of the book. <laughs> you hear. So, um, Andre, Bagration, Tushin, the Auditor, and Zerkov. Yeah. Sorry, Zerkov. Sorry, Zerkov. I'm praying for you. Bless up. <laughs> Bless up. All right, everyone. All right. I think that's it. That's it. That's chapter 17. See ya.